The season's over, guys. Yeah. Basketball is done. We have the Eagles that have flown all the way from being number 14 preseason to the top of the Sunbelt Conference standings. They're the regular season champs. They get the net. They get the trophy. And ironically, they clinched it on Texas State's home floor. Winners of the past two seasons. But no, the Eagles snatch it away from them. So what is more surprising to you guys? That the Eagles, the Golden Eagles, have gone went from like six and twenty-seven or whatever they were last year to like twenty-five and five, whatever they are this year. Winners of the Sun Belt regular season. Is that more surprising? Or is the fact that Texas State picked to finish second is playing in the play-in game <clears throat> Tuesday, uh Tuesday night? Southern Miss is more surprising to me. I take think. Texas State, you know, got the preseason bump, benefit of the doubt, where, yeah, we know your coach is good. We're going to give you the benefit of the doubt, even though we're not sure who your players are um, <laughs> to, to some degree. Southern Miss, to me, I I thought they were going to turn it around, and by turn it around, I thought finish 500, like not do what they've done. This is unbelievable that they're where they are right now. They've got two players, top 10 in scoring in the Sun Belt. They've just come out of nowhere. Uh, they didn't have any players make it to the preseason, uh, all Sunbelt teams, all Sunbelt one, two, or three. Just suddenly just came out of the ashes. And now our regular season Sunbelt champion. Is it a shame if they don't emerge from the conference tournament as the champion? Or is this championship bracket so stacked? Any one of five to six teams winning it would be a satisfying result. I don't think the winner of the Sun Belt is on that side of the bracket, quite honestly. I think it's on the other side of the bracket where you could see Marshall, uh-huh. Old Dominion, uh-huh. or your Raging Cajuns making a run <laughs> all the way to Monday for that 6 o'clock championship game that Shane is giving the pre- pregame speech at, by the way. <laughs> is that true, Shane? Did the, the, the uh, Daily News record get uh, managed to get enough juice for you to do the uh, opening remarks? Uh, maybe in the media room. I don't know. <laughs> all right, guys, we're going to cover this game as best we can. Let's go out and give it our all. Yeah. Shane, don't you agree that there's like six teams out there that could win it? And the Sun Belt would be like, okay, we're good with that. We're good to have this representative in the Sun Belt tournament. Or in the, yeah. I'm sorry, in the NCAA tournament. I mean, I feel like I feel like if you got Keith Gill to be perfectly honest, he would probably prefer it be one of the top four teams because those guys in the top 100 of most metrics right now, they're going to get you in the 13 seed range, might have a chance to knock somebody off. You get much lower than that, then you're looking at, you know, 15, 16 seeds, and you just don't have as much chance to get that money from playing in the second round. Um, but I think you're right that it's legitimately five, six, maybe even seven teams that are pretty tightly bunched as far as talent and capability, and any of them could win it. See, to but, me, it's usually two. Like last year, it was either Georgia, it was, we wanted either Georgia State or Texas State to get it, right? And then I, I, and Georgia State managed them. I, was it, who, wait, who went last year? Was it Georgia, Georgia State, State went last year. Okay, yeah, yeah. And that worked but, out fine. But, 
Appalachian State went the year before. I don't think anybody wanted Appalachian yeah. State, except for the Mountaineers, of course. Uh, I'm State was like, a tough one, too, because they were so injured early in the year that they ended up being a 16 seed, even though everybody knew that by March they were a pretty good team. So, I mean, that was that was a tough one. I would have been upset if I was the number one that got Georgia State as my 16 last year because they were much better than that by the time the tournament rolled around. But Absolutely. let me let me ask you this. All right, Southern Miss locks up with the regular season. They get the automatic bid into the NIT. Let's just say that it is number 14, Georgia State, that goes on the magical run, wins, wins the tournament. <laughs> if we're able to stack the deck of the NIT having those top four seeds in the NIT, does that kind of give us that second at large, so to say, of the NCAA tournament? Knowing that we have four teams in the in the NIT, uh, Shane, I'll, go ahead and answer that because I think Tibbs knows what my answer is going to be. I think to some degree, I don't think all four probably end up getting into the NIT. See um, Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think those four are playing in the postseason. I mean, it's assuming they want to uh, pay the money if they have to, but I don't think they'll all four get into the. NIT. I think I think best case scenario is probably one of those four get into the NCAA tournament and then two of the three also getting into the NIT and somebody in a CIT and you know have a handful of teams go and play in a postseason I think would be pretty good result for this conference. My stats on that is I don't care who's in the NIT. <laughs> I don't care. That's because we know it won't be Arkansas State. <laughs> well, may, maybe if Arkansas State had a chance to make it to the NIT, I'd care. But Arkansas uh, State won't even make it to a C level tournament, Jeremy. Oh, they won't. And I wouldn't care. Even if they did, this is where you and I differ a little bit. I don't care if they make it to a, a C level team. To me, that's another lost, another lost season, just another miserable year. Shame not make making that. it to the NCAA. Make that note next year when Arkansas State's in the sea level and Jeremy's beating his chest black and blue that yeah. we can say, Jeremy, it doesn't matter. We're not talking. Replay, replay this clip. Now, just to be fair, Arkansas State has participated in like a CBI before, and I didn't care then. I was like, what, what we're paying money for this? Why? You have the T-shirt, Jeremy. Don't, 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 don't lie. You have the T-shirt. Uh, listen, you know what? It, it's true, though, Tibbs, that you being around you has elevated my opinion a little bit of the of the of the sea level uh, tournaments. And, and NIT, I think, is actually a, a pretty good honor, although, it, it, quite frankly, if I'm the commissioner of the Sun Belt, I really do want the very best team representing the Sun Belt in the NCAA, the biggest stage, the biggest light. And right now, that's Southern Miss, but it could be also three others. And I kind of, th- I kind of see what you're saying, Tibbs. If, if, if you have four or five teams that are pretty good in the Sun Belt, wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice to spread that out and have Southern Miss in the NIT and do well there and then have like a Marshall or James Madison or Louisiana or somebody like that in the NCAA? I, I can, okay. I, I, I suddenly see Tibbs, the genius of what you're trying to say. I, I, I always try to spit the lyrical genius flows. But let, let, let me ask you this. Obviously, I think we're all kind of in agreement that we want Southern Miss to win this tournament. I think that they're the best team at the right time coming into this tournament. Who's kind of your dark horse there, Shane, as, as you get ready to pack up and head to the Panhandle of Florida? 
Yeah, Shane, you're the expert because you're going to be there. Let's, <clears throat> my dark horse is uh, South Alabama. I, I'll have that in print tomorrow, I think, <laughs> that, those exact words. But, um, yeah, I mean, even with their loss to Louisiana, a good Louisiana team that was playing for the number two seed, um, I still think they finished really strong. They've got a lot of talent. They are they're capable of beating just about anybody especially if they're hitting threes. Um, they've got their own seven-footer to match up with anybody's big guy. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to go all the way and win four four straight, but I could definitely see them knocking off a couple of those teams we've talked about as the quote-unquote favorites. Jeremy, you know, who's your dark horse there? We're having Craig Stevenson on the show to talk a little bit about maybe South Alabama, what their chances are. Uh, you know what? Okay, so I did my little. I've already done my article, Shane, on on, on picking teams and, and doing a little research. And I found four teams in the Sun Belt who finished the season winning eight of ten of their ten last games. Right? It's James Madison, South Alabama, uh, uh, Southern Miss, and Old Dominion. Which, if you remember, Old Dominion started the season off pretty bad, losing a home game to, to the Red Wolves, which Tibbs would say that was probably a very embarrassing finish for Old Dominion. I didn't think much of Old Dominion at all after that. And the Monarchs kind of limped around for the first half of the Sun Belt season. Came back, have now won eight of their last ten. They have a hugely stingy defense, which I, I hate going back to the Mountaineers all the time, but that's how the Mountaineers end up getting through the tournament was with a stingy defense. It wasn't their offense. It was their defense. Uh, Old Dominion could be that team. That's my kind of dark horse. You know, I, I love South Alabama. They're blowing people out. And South Alabama may be the smart dark horse pick. But I'm putting a little bit of money on Old Dominion this week. How about you, Tibbs? Who's that guy? So in honor of Sports Information Director of the Raging Cajuns, Matt Sullivan, who, okay. who has uh, unofficially banned me from ever – officially uh, uh, taking an occasions game again, since they were 0-2 this year for football games that I was in attendance of. I'm not going to pick the Cajuns. I like the Cajuns. I think they're hot at the right time. Yeah. But I like the, I like the Thundering Herd. I think that they have kind of that swagger down the stretch. I think that also, if you look at it, they're probably going to have to face Old Dominion there in, those, uh, in that quarterfinal game on Saturday. They're not going to let the Monarchs beat them twice in essentially the, the the past week. So that game alone propels them into the semifinals. From there, it's a crapshoot. I still like the herd, though, to make it all the way to Monday in the championship game. But, Tips, if you have to pick a team that is just totally out of the left field, I mean, the herd finished, what, third? Didn't the herd finish third? Yes. If you had to pick a bottom-half team to make some kind of noise, not maybe necessarily the win, but maybe toss a few guys out. Who would you pick? UL most. I, I, I think losers of seven straight, it would be the most ULM thing to go on a run and knock off Georgia Southern there on the uh, second round games on Thursday, face the Cajuns. Uh, they had a decent showing against the Cajuns there uh, at the Cajun Dome. Sure. Who knows? Maybe the Warhawks are able to surprise us. That is a solid dark horse pick. Shane, if you had to pick from the bottom of the, the half of the bucket, one team that would frighten you, 
you being a citizen of James Madison, you, you know, you, you report on them. So James Madison is in good shape to do very well in the tournament. Who scares James Madison most from the bottom? Um, so Georgia Southern, if they're seventh, do they count as being yes. in the bottom half? They count as being in the bottom half? I, I yeah, think I they of, do. I think they could win a couple games. Um, they've beaten the good teams. They, they were – Marshall needed a miraculous comeback in Huntington to avoid getting swept by Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern beat JMU in Statesboro. They've beaten some good teams. They've they're kind of hit or miss. Uh, kind of depends on how their best couple of players play. But I think they're capable of beating a few teams. I don't think they can win at all, but I think they can kind of uh, disrupt the bracket a little bit. They got a big man, Andre Savrasov, that yeah. leads the team in rebounds and scoring. I believe Tibbs has mentioned him before. Tibbs likes that guy. I think the Eagles could be that team that that kind of creates enough chaos that just throws everything out of whack. And I'm not even sure if I'd be upset if the if the Eagles won. You know, again, it's like that. It's so deep this year in the Sun Belt that there's not really there's very a limited number of teams I would go go. Oh my God, we can't have them in the NCAA's. Oh my God, we're gonna be so embarrassed. I, I feel like I feel like we're in very good shape. So, with that regard, do we have a coach of the year? Is it too early for coach of the year, Tibbs? Do we wait until the Sun Belt tournament before we decide that? No, I mean I think it's fair to give that during the regular season, and I think without a doubt, it, it's it's going to be. Quite honestly, I would still give it to TJ at Texas State. The fact that he was able to not finish at the bottom of the barrel with his key player leaving him surviving and getting that 11 seed, not the 14 seed. TJ, uh, that was an amazing run. Hmm. Is that a cop-out? That's, that's an interesting take. No, that's not a cop-out. Shane, would you ever say that that would be the coach of the year? Coach wasn't Charles? who I had in mind. <laughs> wasn't for me uh, either. I know, love Richard. I think, I think they announced this tomorrow at some point. Um, I think it's going to be I would guess it'll be uh, Jay Ladner. Um, like we talked about Southern Miss going from no expectations to, to winning it. Uh, seems like the recipe for a coach of the year pick to me. Yeah. I mean, how do you not give Ladner the, 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 the coach of the year pick? I mean, they're pick, they were picked, I believe Southern Miss was picked 13th this year. Came out number one. That's pretty good. On the women's side, I think to me, it's really a three-horse show. I think that your yep. semifinal is going to be James Madison and Troy on the top side of the bracket. The south side, Texas State, they were co-champions there with James Madison of the regular season. Yep. They, got a, they got a pretty easy path there to the Monday afternoon game to face pretty much the winner of the Troy-James Madison contest. Yeah, if I have to look at the, the 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 women, and this year I feel like the women have been not as deep as the men, but deeper than usual. Usually, it feels like it's just a Troy, uh, <clears throat> or it, some years it's it's also been a, um, it's also been UALR, but they're gone. Now you got James Madison coming in with the big Russian Shane, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you like the Russians. Yeah, well, they did just have a big team. 
big uh, uh, big players, uh, a very smart team. I, I feel like Madison, is, James Madison, Jimmy Mads is the team to beat on that. But I think you're right, uh, Tibbs. You, you got two other teams there in the in Texas State and uh, and Troy that could easily be be the pick. Is there a dark horse here that we're overlooking? I think it's any of the top six. I mean, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. JMU is the number one seed. They're literally two possessions away from being the number six seed with an overtime win at ODU and a one-point win against Troy. They lose those two games. They're the number six seed instead of the number one. That's how tightly bunched it is at the top. Any hope for my Arkansas State Red Wolves? Coming in pretty hot. Coming in pretty hot. Hope to win a game? Yes. Maybe a couple. Maybe maybe yeah. get all the way there. What do you think? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Arkansas State women are really the the only thing we 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 feel comfortable in cheering right now. So uh so I'm I'm I'll putting all my my money on the Arkansas State women <laughs> to win the NCAA tournament. But guys, speaking of tournaments. You know, it's it. We we we're talking about the men a little bit, talking about who's dangerous, and that's actually a pretty good segue for our first guest, who is the most dangerous uh, reporter in all of the Sun Belt. It's Craig Stevenson. How are you doing, Craig? Welcome to good. the show. Tell us how the hell did the Jaguars get so hot the last half of the conference season? It's a great question, and I am so dangerous. I once killed a red wolf just to watch him die. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Well done, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it, This team's always had this kind of talent. They just played well enough to lose a lot of the year. Before they got on their most recent streak, which was five in a row and eight out of nine before they ran into Louisiana the other night, they, uh, they lost four in a row by a total of 13 points. So – you know, they've been right there all year. This team could very easily be, you know, 12 and 6. Thank you. They could very well be 12 and 6 or 13 and 5 rather than than 9 and 9, you know. And they haven't played a ton, they haven't won a ton of close games. So it's not more of those well. A lot of teams say, well, you know, look at all the games we lost by one possession. Yeah, but look at all the games you won by one possession. They really haven't had that a whole lot this year. So they've either blown people out or they've lost, you know, fairly close games. And so again, I think that they're um, they've had the talent all year, but one thing they've been doing a lot lately is trying to get the ball in the post. And it's not just throwing into the big guy, Kevin Samuel. Uh, it's also uh, the point guard, Isaiah Moore, who is maybe maybe six feet tall, probably more like 5'11", who will dribble the ball into the post and uh, you know get to the basket. He's just a strong guy, and once he gets in there, he's hard to stop. And Owen White has really played well, too, who's another transfer uh, from the Division Two level that has really started to hit the outside shot. He's probably uh, their number one on-ball defender as well. The, those three guys have been the real key in the last, I don't know, what, five weeks now. Craig, um, last year, Tibbs and I went all in on the Jaguars. And well, we're a little, I know. <laughs> we're a little bit uh, yeah. snake bit. I mean, Gunshot, we, we, yeah. yeah we, didn't, we didn't want to accept – the Jags as a dangerous team this season. We even as they were blowing out like Southern Miss and ULM, it was like, no, 
we are not jumping on this bandwagon again. We're not going to do it. We're not going to get hurt again, Craig. But here uh-huh. we are. We're talking about the Jaguars again being in great position to 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 do something big in this tournament and maybe make it into the NCAA. What's the difference between this team and last year's team that disappointed so much? Well, I think the biggest thing last year was their two best players got hurt in about the last, I don't know, three, four weeks of the season. JJ Chandler and uh and uh golly, they don't they don't stay very long and I can never remember people's <laughs> name. Charles Manning from LSU. <laughs> Both got hurt. Um, I think Chandler broke his finger and Man- Manning broke his foot, all like in the last three weeks of the season. And then when that happens, you know, they got 32 points a game that are just gone. They just didn't have anybody that could score at the end of the year. I think that was a big part of it. The big uh, Franklin, the big uh, post guy was pretty much all they had. And then he ended up transferring to Georgia Tech. So it's almost an entirely new roster this year other than uh, Tyrell Turbo Jones, who played a good bit down the stretch last year after breaking his foot early in the season and missing most of the year. Um, so, I, yeah, I do think they're better. I think um, they are – they get to the rim better. They're a better rebounding team than they have been in a while. Uh, and they've got, you know, three or four guys who can really shoot from the outside. So they don't have to count on one guy. So – but the best thing about, you know, if I'm, I'm looking at this team going into the tournament, I think they got a really good draw. Uh, on their side of the bracket, they are six and three versus the teams on their half of the bracket, as opposed to three and six against the teams on the other half. Uh, Louisiana is a terrible matchup for South Alabama because Jordan Brown can neutralize Kevin Samuel. And I would presume, even though they didn't play Marshall this year, so the one team they didn't play, I presume Marshall's the same way just because of their size. So, um, you know, they, they actually match up really well with Southern Miss. Uh, they match up really well with Troy. And, um, you know, and, and they, I guess they lost to Georgia State somehow, but they did. Um, yeah. It's Georgia State. On the, anyway, so they played well against the teams on their half of the bracket. So it wouldn't be a huge upset for them to make the semifinals or the finals, I wouldn't think. I don't think they're going to beat Louisiana, but they can beat everybody else. So we had a conversation earlier about coach of the year, at least amongst us on the show. I said yeah. T.J. Johnson because I feel that – with him able to lose Hansberry and still not wind up just absolute bottom dweller, that's a huge accomplishment in my eyes. Right. Who, who yeah. do you see as kind of being the standout player of the year, coach of the year across the league? I mean, how can it not be Jay Ladner, though? I mean, you know, to win, was it a total of 24 games in three years and then they won 24 this year? I, I don't see how it can't be him. Uh, player of the year, I think Jordan. Uh, I mean, Jordan Brown's the best player I've seen. Um and what was the third thing? Was there a freshman of the year? There you no, 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 no. I was going to say, no, I don't think they have any freshmen in this league, really. Uh, but anyway, those are the, I, I, Brown is the most dominant player that I have seen this year, although there are some other good ones. He's, he would be my pick. Craig, I think you've been around long enough, though. Wouldn't you say that Jordan Brown is, is right on level of, of like a uh, Sean Long, a uh, Alfred Payton, caliber of player that we've seen come to this league yeah he's not quite as active a rebounder as uh the our long lost friend from arkansas state last year but he is he is just such a great athlete such a you know can play you know a dominant offensive player potentially and a good defensive player uh so yeah he he is uh he's legit man he really is yeah you mentioned 
South Alabama didn't play Marshall, I would throw Tavion Kinsey into that conversation too with Jordan Brown. Is I think they're two mm-hmm. clearly the two in the running for the player of the year. Yeah, I think you're, yeah, again, I didn't watch a ton of Marshall this year, so I'll take your word for it. I, I don't disagree. Yeah, Marshall's big. You know, we were talking about uh, earlier too amongst us. Uh, who is a dark horse team? A team that, you know, the Jaguars. I can't, I don't know if they're a dark horse because they've won so many games coming down the stretch. Is there a dark horse yeah. you that you would look at and go, "Wow, these guys are kind of frightening." You know, yeah, it's it's hard to like you said about South Alabama. They're the eight, so it's really it would be hard to pick them. Um, you know, I don't really. I mean. It, Southern Miss, again, I saw them twice against South Alabama, and once South Alabama blew them out, and once South Alabama lost by like three over there. So they just don't seem like they um, – I, I don't know what I'm going to say. I, I don't think they're the, the favorite. I, I mean, again, Louisiana has really impressed me the two times I've seen them. But if we're talking about a dark horse, maybe Old Dominion. I don't ah. know, it's been a long... What, was that bad? No, it was no, my dark horse. <laughs> okay. great. Craig and it's, I been, it's like he listens to the show. Okay. Yeah, it's been a like long, he something. It's been a long time since I saw Georgia Southern. They, you know, South played them really early, but uh, but I would, yeah, I think Old Dominion is probably the I'm taking somebody outside the top four. On the women's side, how do you see the the Lady Jags kind of shaking <laughs> out as the the 13th seed in the play-in game there against Georgia State? They right. beat uh Friday night for the first time in forever and a, on a buzzer beater. And I think that's kind of was their Super Bowl. Uh, probably Terry Fowler's last game as head coach. His contract is expiring. So, or last home game, at least as head coach. So I think he's probably done. So I, I think that was, um, you know, probably all we're going to get out of them. I, I would be very surprised if they go over there and win a game in Pensacola or at least more than one. You know, uh, uh, Shane sees six contenders with the women, Tib sees three. Who do you see as as rolling through that tournament? In all honesty, South Alabama is so bad, I have not paid attention to it. I, I mean, I'm being completely honest with you there. So your guess is as good as mine. I'll pick Troy just to be an in-state homer. How about that? Not a bad pick. Yeah, okay. I think you, you could do well with that pick. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. John Rigby's a good coach. I mean, she usually hasn't prepared a tournament time. So are you going to the tournament? I am. I'll be there. I don't know if I'm going to be there for every game, but I'll be there. What is the one team, you know how in the Sunbelt tournament, you know, sometimes you get the team that you want into the NCAA and sometimes you don't. What is the one team that you think would be the team that, that, uh, that, uh, that, 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 uh, commissioner Keith Gill would hate to see in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I don't know that it, being a one bid league, I'm not sure it really matters, does it? I mean, um, I think you need your best team in there, right? Well, sure, but who's the best team? I mean, Southern Miss hasn't been playing well in the last two weeks. Who's the best team? I, I don't really know who the best team is. Marshall looked like they were about to lock it up and they kind of gagged right at the end, too. So I think as long as it's one of the top three, I don't, I don't think there's an issue with any of that. And maybe the top four for that matter. I think it does matter just because, like you said, kind of the top four. Because right. if if let, let, let's say number fourteen Georgia State goes on a run, oh yeah, of course they're going to Dayton. I mean, let, let's just say it for what it is, they're going to Dayton. Yeah. Whereas a Southern Miss, 
a Cajuns Marshall, they're probably going to get a 15, maybe 14, depending on how it shakes out as high as a 13 seed. I think that's what we want because that gives you the better opportunity to get the win. However, yeah. if you I'll do see. go to Dayton, you got a chance to win an NCAA tournament game, which how often does the Sun Belt actually do that? <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. Like going it counts as a win and you get money for that. Yeah, um, going to Dayton's actually better than being a 15, like you know, like a, absolutely a Georgia Southern or somebody might be, but yeah. Or go Panthers. Teams that doesn't, you know, go to a doesn't go to Dayton. Yeah, I think the the the, the dream, I don't know if it's a dream scenario. But it would be people in this state would love it is if South Alabama or Troy were to win the thing and then get to play Alabama and Birmingham. I mean, they would love that. I don't know if the conference would love that, but I think the people in this state would love it. So we we've been talking amongst ourselves. We always have like a spirited conversation about this certain topic. You, you know, the and I, the 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 conference winner, the regular season winner, goes to the NIT regardless, right? Right. Do we care about the NIT? I mean, does the, is the NIT just something that happens, or is that good for the Sun Belt to have maybe Southern Miss in the NIT right. and an upset in in the tournament to bring somebody else in there? You know, if you get one game and you lose, probably not. But you make a real run and actually, actually maybe even go to New York, that would be cool. And, of course, as somebody who covered three games in the Basketball Classic last year, uh, you know, I don't really envy anybody. Uh, that was the greatest tournament ever because you never knew who was playing. You didn't know when they were playing. Fresno State was the number one seed and could not host the championship game because there was a tractor pull in their arena. Oh, my God. So they had, to play on, they had to play at Coastal Carolina in the final, and then they crushed Coastal. But, uh, you know, it's a – yeah, I, I, the NIT, I think, still has some cachet. Again, like especially if you make a run. The other ones, I mean, you're, you're wasting everybody's time, I think. See, it's Jeremy, not. the magic of the sea level tournament. You don't even know where you're playing. Who you're right. playing, you just get the ball, you <laughs> jump it, you go. Coaches like to say, too, well, we love to play in those tournaments because it gets our guys ready for next year and all that. Those guys are all transferring. Nobody's coming back next year. I mean, seriously, <laughs> that's the way it is. And no, no program has has really worked that transfer magic more than South Alabama, right? So you're probably right. not complaining. We've got about eight that. new guys every year. I mean, there literally are three guys on the roster this year that played a single minute last year. You know, That's, yeah, that is well, so actually crazy. four percent the walk on, but uh, it's just the continuity is just. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure everybody in the, at the mid major level is feeling it, but man, it's just hard to get to know these guys because they're not here for very long. So you're going down to Pensacola. You might see our man Shane Metlin in uh -huh. Pensacola. That'll be really cool. Are you looking forward to the trip? Is it going to be something that's going to be uh, something for the family? Is it just you back drawing down there? What's it going to yeah, be? Yeah, it's only an hour drive for me, so it's very convenient. I can, you know, depending on what time of the game, day the game is, I can I, I just go back and forth every day, you know, and South and Troy play back to back on Thursday. So that's good. So I'll get to go in and knock them both out, you know, back to back. So it'll, it'll, uh, it'll work out pretty well. I'm, I'm sorry. One more thing. Shane has mentioned too, that I, I kind of forgot that the close proximity between uh, yeah. Mobile and Pensacola almost makes this sort of a home field advantage or a home court advantage for the right. Jets. Is there anything to that? I, yeah. I mean, I think a little bit, um, the fans can definitely make the trip. Um, but again, 
you know, if you're the you're the eight seed, I don't know if you're bringing the whole army over there. If they were a real contender, it would be. But yeah, I mean, it's the Mobile and Pensacola are the same TV market. So uh, you know, they the Pensacola uh, media cover South Alabama to a degree and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, if anybody's a home team here, it's it's South Alabama. Troy's not too far either, but South it is essentially. I mean, it's a straight shot down the interstate. I can be at, from where I, I live very close to I-10, I can be at the Bay Center in less than an hour from where I live, you know. So it's it's a, you know, it's a good, sh- I mean, it's, it's closer than even New Orleans, which is not far either. Is it a situation where South fans might be like, we'll see if they win a game or two, and then if they're in the semis, then we'll go down there and snatch up all the tickets, the teams that are leaving. Yeah, I think that's probably true, especially with them playing 1130 in their first game. You know, I don't know how many people are going to, you know, try to take off work on Thursday. But if they get to Saturday, Sunday, then, yeah, I I think it would be a pretty good presence. Greg, it's our first time to catch up with you since football season. Yeah. 10 and 3, a a great year. What what do the Jags do this this upcoming season early on? I I mean, I think it's – 18 starters from the bowl game are coming back or at least are eligible to come back. You never know what, you know, there may be another round of transfer portal madness. I'm sure there will be in May after spring practice, but, you know, pretty much everybody other than Jalen Wayne and Darrell Luter and the center, James Jackson, and then uh, CJ Rice, outside linebacker, who was, uh, um, who went in the transfer portal. Everybody's due back. I, I would, I think there's a good chance I think there's almost I think they're almost certain to be the West favorite. And I think there's a good chance they could be the pick overall, along with uh, you know, JMU, Marshall, uh, some of the others. I, I mean, I, I it's a loaded team. They, there's every reason to believe they will be as good as they were this past year. The thing is the schedule's a little tougher. They can pick up Marshall and JMU out of the east. They have to go to Troy. Um they play Southern Miss on a Tuesday night, which is just squirrely, but at least, uh, but I think uh, that's going to help. Strange as it is to say, that'll, that'll be a good crowd because Hattiesburg's 90 miles away. They'll bring a lot of people. So that should be a good game, good, uh, good crowd for them. So, but no, I think going into, you know, they open with Tulane at Tulane. So we'll find out pretty quick how good they are. Uh, I think everybody over here was glad to see Ty J Spears enter the NFL draft, but uh, <laughs> I think Tulane's still going to be really good. So, no, I, I, I think they should be, you know, as much of a contender in 23 as they were in 22. I still can't get over that UCLA game. Can you help me? No, I mean, <laughs> it's – if you can – they gained as much by losing that game as they have by winning a lot of games. I mean, they, you know, just imagine if they had won. Oh, um, God. But, but the fact that they went out there and basically had them beat uh, – before the worst fake field goal call in the world in the history of the world, but uh, you know, and, and Kane Womack has admitted that, you know, but you know, they like I said, they play Tulane, they go to Oklahoma State, which seems to be hurting a little bit based on the portal and all that sort of thing. So they got a chance to get off to another good start, I think. Appreciate your time and your insight. And you don't have any, and, track, and, have any track and field questions for me. I'm kidding. No track and field <laughs> questions. No field hockey. No beach volleyball, although, you know, maybe later in the year we might bring you up for that. So Just remember these words from Jones Ramsey, who was Sports Information Director at Texas in the 1960. The only thing worse than track is field.
So we just heard from probably the hottest team headed into the postseason there with Craig giving us the breakdown of South Alabama. But Scott Watkins joins us, and he, I can I can see it already in his hand. He has a, a, a little swatch of the championship net. He he's, he's still drenched in champagne. He has confetti that he keeps throwing up in the air. He needs to get because, it out of his hair. It's crazy. Because Southern Miss, Golden Eagles, first year in the league, they get a trophy. Welcome in there, Scott. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, I, I missed all the confetti. I was in the press box at the baseball stadium watching a 13-5 to blowout uh, when the basketball games went final. So That doesn't oh. make for a very good story. Sorry. We, we, we had to elaborate it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. It ruined our whole segue, Tibbs. Scott, how are you going to rescue this interview now? I, 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 I didn't think that I was. Uh, it was going to ever be like a situation where I didn't need to be rescued. That's, <laughs> that's kind of my. That's how I approach every one of these. <laughs> well, allow me to help rescue you. How in the hell did the Golden Eagles go from? Oh, they're going to finish thirteenth on the season. They only won less than what seven games last year. How did they become the champions of the Sun Belt? And not just like they came out and they looked kind of lucky at times. They really played excellent basketball. You got two guys that are playing top 10 in, in scoring-wise. How did this happen? How did this turnaround happen? Yeah, we're, we're way, way past luck. Uh, uh, to me, there are three complete basketball teams in the Sun Belt right now, and Southern Miss is one of them. Uh, it, it all started last summer when Jay Ladner was able to get assistant Juan Cardona on the staff. He had been trying to get him for a while. And Cardona brought not just an entirely brand new energy with his uh, – he's a very defensive-minded coach. And you'll see that on the stats when you look at Southern Miss this year. He also brought with him Felipe Hase and Neftali Alvarez, who have completely changed uh, the makeup of this basketball team. And then they brought in an Ole Miss transfer and Austin Crowley. Him and Hase are two of the, in my opinion, the two of the three best players in the state of Mississippi this year. So that, that is kind of how it happened. You threw it in college basketball. These rosters these days are changing every year, almost entirely. And so that's essentially what happened under Ladner and everybody clicked. Uh, Juan Cardona clicked. Everything just meshed almost from the jump. And it just never, it never went away. So that, that's that's kind of how it happened. It, it's it's I've never seen anything like it. Uh, they weren't just a seven win team last year. They were an eight win team the year before that, and they were a nine win team the year before that. Head coaches don't usually get a fourth year after those three years. It's a good thing that Southern Miss uh, gave Jay Ladner the the rest of his contract. I guess you know that opens up the next question is what happens with him now? I mean, is he going to get a long extension? Are they waiting to see if there's any kind of fluke to this? Like what happens with this contract now? Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a great question. That's one that's been on my mind the last few days uh, as we've prepared for the Sunbelt basketball tournament here. I think that we're going to have an answer pretty soon, uh, but I, I think long-term is definitely, I don't think there's any way that Jeremy McLean looks at Southerners basketball this year and, and, you know, doesn't give Jay Ladner the three, four, five, six years that, you know, whatever he's asking for, he's probably going to get. So as we head into the tournament, Southern Miss, I mean, like I said, raising the banner this year, but probably the best team or the hottest team coming into the tournament, South Alabama, 
who do you see as kind of the dark horse that can make a run or, or do you think that it's really one of the top four teams that, that just goes on it and uh, gets to host the trophy uh, on Monday night? I've looked at the bracket a few times and I can't help shaking this, this weird feeling that Southern Miss should not have won the uh, championship, the regular season title, because somehow they ended up with the toughest potential quarterfinal matchup of all four teams that got the double bye. And that's that's ironic. It's weird. It's just a product of how the Sun Belt shapes up every now and then. Uh, but yeah, South Alabama to me, as I mentioned, uh, there are three complete basketball teams. They're one of them. Uh, they have the the best shot, I think, from going second round to final round. Nobody from the first round is going to make it to the quarterfinals. I don't think. Uh, South Alabama is not even a dark horse, but that's just where my mind is going. It can't be App State. Their offense cannot get hot to save its life. Cannot be Troy, same reasons, very good defensive team, but they're not going to get past James Madison. Uh, South Alabama is the cop-out answer, but they are they are the team to beat, I think, right now. So you've been very, you know, we, we've been prying it out of you. You've mentioned that there are three complete teams. Southern Miss, yeah. you just revealed that South Alabama is the second. I got to ask, what's the third? It, it's Marshall. Marshall is the other one. I think the Thundering Herd are, are the most – Maybe the most complete team, because uh, uh, statistically it's South Alabama, but I think that's a little skewed by a few very not close games that they have played in the last month or so. I think that week over week it's been Marshall. Marshall's been the most complete team. They've had some hiccups here and there, of course, the big one on Friday. Uh, good thing for them, though, because now they get Old Dominion or Georgia State, Texas State, and that's that's infinitely better than what Southern Miss is going to have to deal with. Uh, regardless of, of what happens in the second round. So Marshall, I think, is probably the most complete team, followed by Southern Miss and South Alabama right, right there underneath. So, you know, we talked about amongst ourselves and then later with Craig Stevenson about some dark horses in the, uh, in the, uh, in the mix. And you know, the, to, to us, amongst us, we, we're, amongst the Fundal Podcast crew, we think there's maybe about five or six teams out there that are just good teams. That if should they win, it wouldn't be that big a surprise. What is a team to you that would be kind of surprised, but also maybe not that big a surprise that could make a a, a run? What qualifies as a run? Are we talk? We're, we're looking at first and second round, I guess, and not including South Alabama. Um, like you said, there are like the, the middle of the Sun Belt is such a brick of teams that are all the exact same. Yeah. <laughs> They're all the, the strength level is, is completely, it, it's, it's no different. You go from like team number four to team number eight. There's just no change. They're Troy. It could be Troy. It could be Old Dominion. It could be Georgia Southern. I could shoot the worst team in the league, Georgia State, might do a Georgia State type thing and uh, and scare somebody, you know. Is the Sunbelt – I hate predicting Sunbelt basketball because it's the most <clears throat> worthless thing you could possibly try to do. There's too much entropy. There, There's nothing goes to plan. That's going to happen the way that you think it's going to happen. You write a script, you do pre-production, and it's just for nothing. It doesn't make any sense. I don't even know why we even bother with a Sun Belt Media Day at the beginning of the season. It's who cares. So, are you going to be at the tournament? I'll be Martin? there. I'll be there Saturday when the quarterfinals begin and the uh, after the first and second rounds have already shaped it up, and then I'll be there 
hopefully for the weekend, but we'll see. So jumping over to the women's side, what do you think of, of that side of the bracket? <laughs> if the men's side was a complete uh, crapshoot, the women's side, you might as well close your eyes and throw a dart at the wall and see what it hits. But there's no telling what's going to happen over there. I have never seen a league that was so tight at the top as the Sunbelt women's were this year. Just insane. Oh, I told you, Jeremy, ULM, 14 seed, the champion. They're going to do it. Why not? It's it's up for grabs. You might as well close your eyes and throw a dart and see who gets plucked. Well, we enjoy, as always, having the wonderful Scott Watkins on the show. Scott, save save one of those clippings of the net for us. <clears throat> we'll we'll uh, Shane will pick it up for from you at Pensacola. Absolutely, I got you. Where can we find you, Watkins? Scott Watkins Tu is my Twitter account. I do not use Instagram. Please do not try to friend me on Facebook. And uh, you can find all of our stuff on sunherald.com. So, Jeremy, we had our discussion with the hottest team probably coming into Pensacola with the, the South Alabama Jaguars, as well as the regular season champion Southern Miss Golden Eagles. But more important than the discussion of those teams, it's plugs, promos, and parting shots. That's what, that's what our audience, that's what they want. They don't want like guest analysis. They don't want our penetrating insight into what's happening in the Sun Belt. They want picks, promos, and parting shots. No, no, wait. I'm sorry. Plugs, promos, and parting shots. We could change it to picks for the tournament. Yeah, we could do that. But uh, why mess up a good thing, Shane? That's true. Why, why pour gasoline into that fresh water? I don't think we should do that. We should have talked about it before now. If we were going to do it. <laughs> That's right. Maybe, maybe in the production meeting next week. Yeah. Uh, well, well, Shane, since since you want to change everything up, lead us off. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> well, I'll make my parting shot my pick. Ooh. We talked a little bit about it. Best case scenario for the Sun Belt. I'll make the pick. I think Marshall wins the Sunbelt tournament wow. and wins a game in the NCAA tournament while Southern Miss makes a deep run in the NIT. And the Sunbelt suddenly looks like a pretty good basketball conference heading into next season. You know, Shane has been making, you know, big predictions like uh, like uh, that, that the Sunbelt is becoming a basketball conference, Tibbs. I don't know if you feel that same energy. <clears throat> I think I'm beginning to feel it. I, I like to think that ever since the show started, we've seen an uptick in football, yeah, in okay. baseball, oh. softball. Sure. Now, well, now well, basketball, the power of the yeah. show, once again strikes. Jeremy, give us your plug, promo, and parting shot. Um, my plug, HalRazor.com, has, has written a couple stories. One has been the 14 least compelling games of the – 2023 Sunbelt football season. Make sure to check that out. Uh, I've already gotten into some trouble but besmirching the likes of programs like Lamar and Northwestern State. So if you're fans of those programs, I invite you not to read the article. And then the, the article that Al Razor has put out has been a, a sort of preview of the Sunbelt men's tournament basketball uh, tournament that's coming up. You know, I do a little bit of analysis. I note how the preseason shaped up nothing like the regular season did. I think James Madison is the only program that stuck to script this year. 
predicted to finish fourth and actually finishing fourth. So way to go, Shane and Jimmy Mads, the model of consistency. Uh, I also make my wild card pick being uh, Old Dominion, which we discussed earlier in the show. And I revealed that the hottest team of the bottom four, guys, the hottest team, my Red Wolves, winners of the last two or three. So uh, they're probably set to make a deep run. Peaking at the right time. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Slam dunk pick. Last minute subs before I give my plug promo parting shot. Congratulations, Jeremy. The Red Wolves sweep the men's and women's indoor track and field titles. Yes. ULM goes on the road to Mississippi State, number 24 Mississippi State, and picks up a huge Tuesday night win, 11 to 5. They then got drummed on Wednesday. Oh, oh. The Cajuns got a four game sweep over Brigham Young at Cajun Field. Nice. Actually, it's not Cajun Field. I forget the name of their stadium. My apologies there, Dr. Magnus. Yeah, they, yeah, I forget what it is, too, but it's not Cajun Field, no. Upcoming this week, we have Southern Miss against Mississippi State at a neutral site, Trustmark, at the, which is the uh, Braves AA Stadium. The Raging Cajuns travel to Lake Charles against McNeese State, a team mm-hmm. that is usually the top of the Southland and uh, NCAA tournament team. South Alabama goes to Tulane, UAB, and Troy Face off in Birmingham. Next weekend is Dallas Baptist at Southern Miss, Georgia Southern at Central Florida. South Alabama hosts a round robin tournament against Pepperdine, Iowa, and Southern, the swacktastic preseason pick. In addition to that, in softball, okay. the Cajuns, five to four winners over LSU. Nice. James Madison beat the smart kids of Penn eight nothing in seven five. Southern Miss down Yale four to one seven to one. <clears throat> Sun Belt better than than the smart kids. Uh, well, I like to think it's of the Sun Belt as the Ivy League. Of Quick, the given the qualifier, Shane. Hey, uh, Jamie, you also beat up on uh, NC State this weekend too. So uh, it's not hey. just the smart kids. Not well, that, that was my that was my <laughs> damn no they've got uh, oh. they've got some very wow. good good programs at uh, NC State. You're trying to create another <clears throat> wait 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 it, it's it's another Carolina. It, it's Shane versus the Carolinas. <laughs> no. Pure and no. simple. I mean. No, it's, it's a not great enough to engineering school. It's a great vet school. <laughs> I, yeah, we're we're cutting all that out, Shane. It, it's just going to be you know your, your your shot there. My last bit of substitution news: the USFL college draft happened. Chase Bryce of oh, App State headed to the Houston Gamblers with the first round third overall pick. Anderson Hardy of App State also he is headed to the Philadelphia Stars. Centrell Landham of Southern Miss headed to the Michigan Panthers. Le'Veon Bell, the defensive lineman of Texas State, headed also to the, the Michigan Panthers. But none of that matters for my parting shot. Okay. What would be one character, like a fictional character, cartoon-type character, if you saw him just walking around that you would question – what you had eaten, what you had taken. Oh, Thundar the Barbarian, absolutely. Yeah, with the sun sword. Oh, God, yeah, that would totally freak me out. Shane? <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, 
I'm still trying to process Jeremy's there. I don't even know uh, what he's talking about. <laughs> Underarm. I don't know. <laughs> character. I don't know. Probably any cartoon character. If I saw any cartoon character out walking around, Yogi Bear or something like that, like uh, I'd probably wonder what I was on. So a walking, me walking bear, yeah. So if you saw a cookie monster from Sesame Street, you would you would have to do a double or triple take, correct? Probably, yeah. Well, then we need to keep you away from the Santa Cruz Wharf in California, where police have continuously investigated a random guy walking around in a cookie monster <clears throat> that, while they say is creepy, is not illegal, and police advised not to take pictures with him. <laughs> is this like that craze a few years ago where like clowns were showing up all over the place? I was thinking that exactly. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, but I, I would freak out if a clown or the Cookie Monster showed up at my house or Jeremy. I, you know what, I the 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 compunction, the the, the to be to want to hand him some cookies just to watch him destroy a plate of them would be very great for me. I, it would be very hard for me not to do that. So now where, where was Cookie Monster showing up? The Santa Cruz Wharf. Hmm, that's a long way from here. Is there any way we can get Cookie Monster to Pensacola? Uh, well, in years <laughs> past, we would have had Big Red. <laughs> he was. He was like the swollen, bulbous version of Cookie Monster, Big Red. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No. But wouldn't it be good if Shane could get an, an exclusive interview with the Cookie Monster in Pensacola and maybe get his insight as to who is going to win the tournament? Or Gus. That would be, that would be great. <laughs> that would make your career as a journalist, right? I mean, all the interviews you've had, all the accolades, all the writing mm -hmm. awards you've received – to actually be able to interview the Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz cookie monster. That could be yeah. at the top of your list. If there, yeah. if there are any Sesame street characters on the uh, piers, Pensacola beach, I will, I will be, you guys will be the first to hear about it. Oh, Nothing I know we will. Oscar, the grouch, uh, the count, all those yeah. guys, they're available to be interviewed by Shane Metlin in the daily news record. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow we digress, but once again, it's the Fun Belt Podcast, and that's what we do. Jeremy Harper of Hal Razor, Dusty Thibodeau, Warhawk Report, Shane Metlin of the Daily News Record, and we will update you from Pensacola for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament next week. <laughs>